On this episode of The Nosebleeds, we're going to be talking about the NFL, the MLB, and NBA, all the drama, all the news, and all this and more coming up on The Nosebleeds. Life on the edge, I'm dangling my feet. I tried to pay attention, but attention paid me. Haters can't see me, nosebleeds seats. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Nosebleeds podcast. That's K-N-O-W-S Bleeds because we know what we're talking about, but we are sitting up in the Nosebleeds because we are broke. As always, it is me, your girl, B, and always we have... It's your boy. Yo, what up, y'all? It's Kush, and we have a lot, a lot, a lot on the agenda. But before we get started, I just want to make sure you guys are following us on social media on Instagram, we're The Nosebleeds. On Twitter, we're The Underscore Nosebleeds. Look us up on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, whatever you listen to. Uh, look us up on that. And if you have Apple Podcasts, shoot us a five-star review. We'd really appreciate that. Yeah, and then we are doing a lot of different polls. We are doing some fill-in options on Instagram stories, so that way we are going to read them out to you during our podcast so it's like you're involved yeah get a little uh listeners interaction in our podcast boom we actually did a couple polls on twitter that we're gonna get to today so i mean feel free to give us a reply tweet back at us uh hit us up on instagram if you want to be featured in one of our episodes and because we always love the listeners opinions okay so first things first we're gonna start off with the nfl because we got a lot of drama and a lot of news but I think the biggest thing from this past week is Mr. Jalen Ramsey to the Los Angeles Rams. You can't spell Ramsey without Rams. Yeah, and now the Rams are and even they're literally throwing everything in the everything in the bag for Jalen Ramsey. Yeah, they're going all in. They gave up two first round picks from this next year and the 2021 draft class and then the, a fourth round pick in the 2021 draft. So I mean, this, this means is, that the next 5 years they will not have a pick in a top five pick in the draft. Well, in the past five years. So starting from 2017. So right, 17, right, right. 18, 19, 20, and 21 now. That's insane. Because that's mostly, you know, where you build your team from is first round in the draft. But, you know, if they're getting the best, arguably the best corner in the league, I, I can't be mad at it. But they're just going to have a lot of freaking money tied with Jared Goff's new contract, Todd Gurley's new contract, Aaron Donald's new contract, Higby, uh, now Jalen Ramsey, because he's going to ask for a new contract as well, too. Right. So, But can we talk about how there's Aaron Donald and Jalen Ramsey? See, I saw that on ESPN on how, like, the duos and stuff like that. Like, the duos? Okay, that was kind of dumb. I saw yeah. a tweet where somebody quote tweeted it, and they said, um, the NFL thinks they're the NBA. Right. Like, so I don't understand there's, the there's duos 11 thing, guys but... on each side of the ball. Like, But, yeah, no, having the best pass rusher on your team and arguably is the best defensive back on your team as well. So that is a crazy defense to have. Uh, he's a, Jalen Ramsey is a huge threat, adding that to the Rams – Arguably already def- already decent team. They did kind of fall off towards the start of this year, but maybe this will, this will give them the confidence to boost it back up. They're hoping so because they traded for Marcus Peters uh, two years ago, and they ended up trading him to the Baltimore Ravens in order to get Jalen Ramsey. So they traded him to the Baltimore Ravens for a young Kenny Young uh, inside linebacker. A young and Kenny Young. A young Kenny Young. And uh, a fourth round – no, sorry, fifth round pick from the Ravens. So they – I mean – it was the right move for the Rams to let go of Marcus Peters because he was just getting burnt every single play. He was not playing well for them at all. But for the Ravens, it's it's a good pickup for them. They basically gave up nothing, absolutely nothing, because that fifth-round pick that they got, 
that's what they got from the Vikings when they traded their backup kicker. So it's like they basically traded nothing for him. And Marcus Peters could definitely help that secondary because that secondary in Baltimore has been hurting. They Starting safety just tore, tore his ACL out for the season. Backup safety for him tore his ACL out for the season. And then with, when the preseason uh, the slot corner Tavon Young tore his ACL out for the season, and then now Jimmy Smith is finally back to practice, but he's been out for the past like four weeks. Yeah, and you know now we're we're heading we're almost midway into the NFL season, so there's a lot of injuries coming out. Exactly, everybody's getting hurt. Nobody's feelings are more hurt than mine right now. But let's move on. <laughs> yeah, so the Ravens are known for their defense, and their defense has been awful this year. So I think getting Marcus Peters is a job well done by Eric DaCosta. But talking about jobs well done, let's talk about the Dolphins and the Redskins, the Tua Bowl. And if you don't, guys don't know what that means, Tua is Tua Tagovailoa, the starting quarterback for Alabama, who is killing it, has been killing it since his freshman year, ever since he entered the national championship game. So both of these teams were coming into the game 0-5. Or no, the Dolphins were 0-4. Wait, so who are you saying a, a great job to? The Dolphins or the Redskins? Well, a great job, I would say, by the to the Dolphins, because I think they threw this game on purpose. Okay, so for those who didn't watch the game, final seconds of the game, and I think how many seconds were there? Like, there, was, there were six like, seconds left. Dolphins were down by a touchdown. Yes, and they were they went for a two-point conversion, which is also interesting because they could have also easily kicked so, the yeah, field so, goal. So, no, they, they first scored to make it 17-16, mm-hmm. and then they could have kicked the extra point to, to, tie to go to go overtime, overtime. But they elected to go for two points to, quote-unquote, win the game. I don't believe it. And um, A pass was thrown. It was, so it, was, it was basically a screen pass. Like, we've seen the Patriots run this and convert on a two-point conversion, so it's not – unusual to see a screen pass on a two-point conversion but they claim that they have been practicing this play all week long only problem is the guy catching the ball was not the same guy so it's like last minute why would you change the receiver catching the ball because it was mark walton jr during practice that was catching the ball and i will admit it did it was a decent pass it was not wasn't too high wasn't too low wasn't to the side wasn't behind him he should have caught it, but he didn't. He kind of let it hit his hands or hit his arm, and then it fell. Yeah, and that I, I think he dropped it on purpose because Kenyon Drake has decent hands. He's not a bad receiving back. So to see him drop that was a little surprising, but, I mean, the Dolphins want to attack of Iloa. So it's like I, I think – I kind of think it was on purpose. Well, in, the, in, in the grand scheme of things, I think they, they threw the game. But – they did a great job of making it seem like they didn't throw the game. See, I think the exact opposite. If they were trying to throw the game, they wouldn't have drove all the way downfield, almost score, to then drop in very obvious pass. Like if, it, if they were trying to throw the game, it was very obvious. Now, I don't think they were because why drive all the way downfield to then score and then not make a two-point conversion? Why not just fumble halfway but then halfway why not, through the drive? Why not just go for the extra pointing, settle in in overtime? Why do you want to go for a two-point conversion? No, but what I'm saying is why even go through all that when you could just try well, to drive downfield because it's much easier to fake a fumble than it is to fake whatever that was. I mean, so they, they could have definitely gotten think, away with that. I, I think mean, they would have. The whole game was kind of a shit show. Both teams were really bad. 
Well, I mean, that's what you get when you have two winless teams playing <laughs> each other. The funniest meme that I will post or video of somebody posted a video of two trash cans um, floating down the street because of the rain. During the flood. <laughs> yeah, during that. a flood. And somebody said, um, <laughs> um, watching the uh, when, when Red Zone cuts to the um, Dolphins and the Giants and the Redskins game. Yeah. <laughs> Which it w- is funny. It was pretty bad. But that's what I just don't think that they threw it like that. We- I understand the Dolphins situation. Okay, but think about it. They are not the only. They aren't the only team that's doing terrible. The Bengals still own six. The Redskins um, just got their first win against yeah. the Dolphins, and the only other team that has just won a game is the Jets. But we'll talk about that. It, so, but but I it's think, only week six. So I think if they they could still secure that first round pick in next year's draft. Like I said, I've been saying this with the, all with season one long. win, with I, one win. I've been saying this all season long. I think their one win comes against the Steelers just because they have that Steelers first round pick. So they want it to become a worse pick with one less win. So I think that may be the only game that the Dolphins win. But other than that, they're for sure tanking. And if I'm a Dolphins fan, I'm not mad at all. I'm happy. I would be happy that actually I have my brother-in-law's a Dolphins fan, and he was happy. He was ecstatic that they lost the game. He was like, "Thank God they lost the game." See, but that's what I don't like. Like you should never be happy that your team loses well in any sense if you know that there's a once in a generation quarterback coming in the draft like that can turn your whole franchise around because why try to win some games end up with a top five pick and you know it's not number one when that number one pick could have been that franchise player that could have turned the whole franchise around rather than ending up with a fifth pick but like i said i understand that but this is a game they could have easily won so that's why they really were trying to tank it like but who just, knows? They may be in a point. close game the next week, and they're like, ah, because that shit, takes that all. Like, doesn't that take all the fun out of sports when you're rooting yeah, for, for your sure. team to lose? Then what's the point? For sure. Why I mean, even watch? Why even be a fan if you want your team to lose? And that's why there's that whole controversy of whether tanking is allowed or not allowed. And Roger Goodell well, came out and said that. Oh, well, a lot of things are not tanking. allowed in the NFL, but they apparently still are. No, the, yeah, we'll get into <laughs> that. But yeah, so basically, I, I think. They were they did it on purpose. Yeah. Brandy doesn't. I don't think they did. I just think the Dolphins are that bad. And if they did, if they did tank it, then they should. Why did they even have to go through all the trouble? Why why go through all the trouble of scoring for what? But I digress. Now today is Wednesday. We're recording this on Wednesday night, and earlier today, Roger Goodell had a press conference, and he had said that quote that there were no signs of tanking with the Dolphins. So so. We actually ran a poll on Twitter saying whether the Dolphins did tank or whether they legit missed a two-point conversion. And what did the listeners say? And the listeners said 50-50. Really? They really said 50-50, so. Wow. Yeah. And, it, and we got a good amount of votes on that, too, so it's not like there was two votes or whatever like that. So it listeners think it's 50-50. So, I mean, it is a coin flip, but either way, it's in the past now. Whether we'll see it in the future again with another game that's close, maybe against the Steelers or something like that, then we'll we'll, we'll bring up the topic again. But okay, well here's this: Do you do you think tanking is a good thing in sports, or do you think it depends? So I mean, so you're okay with tanking? I'm okay with tanking if there's just not that many teams tanking. If there's one team th- tanking in a league, like okay whatever like that's fine like let them tank or whatever because they want to turn their franchise around if you see like you know the nba like you have the phoenix suns tanking you have the memphis grizzlies tanking you have like uh other teams tanking too as well like then it kind of gets boring like when you have multiple teams trying to tank like the redskins aren't tanking the Dol- or the Bengals aren't tanking you can kind of tell the miami dolphins are tanking but like the Bengals and the redskins they still have like young good players that they can 
potentially make a franchise out of. They just gotta, you know, put the, the pieces of the puzzle together. But we did not have a game of the week last week because we didn't have an episode, but we do this week, and it is the Texans versus the Colts. The Texans are four and two, and the Colts are three and two, and basically this, this game is for the division lead. Yeah, I was just gonna say that. So I was still early. Things could change. Right. But honestly, the Texans are going to win. They against Pat against the Chiefs last week and Patrick Mahomes, who's arguably one of the best quarterbacks in the league. First of all, their defense looked extremely strong. They stopped Mahomes in his tracks, and Deshaun wants Deshaun Watson went off. Yeah, he's an animal. He he is. He's doing great things for my fantasy team. So shout out to Deshaun Watson. <laughs> but yeah, he that offense is looking good. And against the Chiefs, yes, they have a bad defense but they finally got their run game clicking uh carlos hyde at over 100 yards and touchdown duke johnson did played well as well he had a touchdown so and deshaun watson had two rushing touchdowns so mm-hmm. that rush game they combined for almost 200 rushing yards and three touchdowns um and then one thing that has that um the coaches said about deshaun watson after the win against the chiefs was that apparently he's a like, quote football junkie and he'll be he's constantly thinking about plays ways they can make ways they can make their offense better throughout the week he said coaches say he's 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 emailing them stuff like 24 7 so at the end of that attest to what happened and what's happened so far and that's what you love to see out of a 24 year old quarterback that is going to be the franchise quarterback for the texans and uh knock on wood given that he's healthy but i mean yeah this matchup the Colts-Texans, it's going to be a great one because, like you said, the, the the Texans are just coming off a road win against the Chiefs. Going into Arrowhead and winning against the Chiefs is tough. They've got lots tough. of hype and lots of energy behind them. But the Colts, at the same time, are coming off a bye week, and they, before their bye week, beat the Chiefs on the road as well, too. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, the, the Chiefs were undefeated before those two games, and now they've lost back-to-back games. So, I mean, you have two teams that are coming up with momentum and then the Colts coming off a bye week. But, I mean, I just think the Texans' defense – edges out the Colts defense and that's why I think the Texans are going to win and like I said about their running game the Colts are 19th in run defense and 17th in pass defense so I think I don't think that's going to be good enough to hold Deshaun Watson DeAndre Hopkins Will Fuller Carlos Hyde all of them especially if they keep evolving and progressing like they've had like we've seen these past couple of weeks the one thing that is a scary sight for Texans fans and this game is the injury report that came out uh Wednesday and uh, on that injury report, you have Tyus Howard, who's out with a knee injury. He's going to be a big loss to them because he's out for sure. And then you have DeAndre Hopkins, Will Fuller, Jonathan Joseph, Bradley Ro- Roby, and Zach Cunningham. All starters weren't at practice today. So, I mean, that's kind of a eyebrow raise right there. I-, I think some of those guys will be coming back limited practice and then will be uh, healthy. But, you know, you just don't want to see that many starters on the injury report. And then same thing for the Colts too. Malik Hooker, Pierre Desaire, and Kenny Moore, all s- starters in the secondary. The- none of them practiced today. So those are definitely names to look out for. But, yeah, let us know who you guys and think then, will win. Yeah, and then we'll have to see, like, we'll have to see throughout the week if they're still injured, still not practicing, then I think this is a whole different thing. Because I for sure, have it right now, everybody's healthy. Texans are going to take this win. It's going to be a good game. I'm hoping for a shootout for my fantasy team's <laughs> sake with Deshaun Watson and DeAndre Please, Hopkins. 40 points at least. Please, I'll take it. And then now we're going to talk about the last two undefeated teams in the NFL. Let's talk about the Patriots first because it's going to be easy. My question to you, Kush, are the Patriots going to lose a game this season? 
So what do you think? What do I think? Yeah. No, I think, honestly, Patriots fans could literally go to sleep and we'll wake you up when, when playoffs start, when the second round of playoffs start. Okay, so I think that's going to happen, but I do actually have a maybe I know, I know i'm kind of going against my word what i said last week when i or two weeks ago when i said they were going to go undefeated the whole season but after looking at their schedules they have tough teams coming up so after this week they play the jets which you don't know if that's a guaranteed win anymore right brandy well i guess aaron donald's back <laughs> the he jet. doesn't have mono anymore yeah sam darnold sam darnold yeah and then so they have after the jets they have the browns the ravens then they have a bye week then the eagles the cowboys the texans the chiefs in that order so i mean that's not Granted, a walk in the if park. the cowboys get their stuff together i mean those are all game. those are all playoff contending teams whether the cowboys get their shit together or not i mean i think the cowboys are still a good team maybe not as good as we thought they were the first three weeks but yeah. they're still a good team and they are a playoff contending team so i mean it won't be a walk in the park for tom brady in that defense but definitely I just it, think that the tough. Patriots are still going to dominate. I see that doesn't surprise me, but I just have a feeling like hopefully it's we'll so get better tough. games. We'll just get better games, I think, to watch. I'm hoping so as well. But yeah, I mean, last time they did go undefeated, they went 16 to zero. They were undefeated up until the Super Bowl and ended up lo- losing to the Giants and yeah. Eli Manning. So maybe they don't want to go undefeated. You know what's the, crazy is I was actually rooting for the Eagles. I'm the Eagles. I was rooting for um, New England that year because I don't like the Giants. And what do they do? Lose the very last game I want them to David win. Tyree and the infamous helmet catch. That's what happened. Anyways, the last great thing Eli did. But see, the thing is with the Patriots this year, it's like we talk about it every single year in the beginning of the season that – Okay, Tom Brady looks good. That offense looks good. But what about that defense? And they're kind of suspect in the beginning of the year. Maybe they'll drop a game or two in the first, like, four or five weeks. And you're like, oh, can the pick? And this will be right off of, like, a Super Bowl win or a Super Bowl appearance. Mm. And they'll be like, are the Patriots still the same team as they were, like, before that defense is looking as good? And then ends up that their defense becomes stellar come playoff time and they win the Super Bowl. I think what the Patriots have going behind them is, first of all, they have experience as a team going to the Super Bowl, play, going to playoffs, being tight in those situations where you cannot make a mistake. And that's, I think, what they have over every – that's what I think they have over every other team. That and along with their quarterback is one of the great – is the – the greatest of all time so far that we've ever seen. Well, what I was going to say to add to that is that they've been having those issues with defense, but this year they have the best defense in the league. So when you have the best defense in the league in number 12 still as your quarterback, like you you can go undefeated. You could basically do anything. Yeah. If this is the I mean, if and Bill Belichick is, as your head coach. Yeah, we say if this is the year, but every year is going to be the year for the Patriots until Tom Brady decides to take a break. Which I don't know if he will. Because I wouldn't. He's, he still looks good. He looks great. <laughs> God damn it. But but they do have the Jets this week. And the Jets just got their first win of the season. You, you know how Michael Jordan has a flu game, right? He came back and he played with the flu. Yeah. Sam Darnold had the mono game. Listen. <laughs> and you, that was you better. Know, you guys really want to know why we didn't have an episode last week? Because I was depressed. The, Dod- the Cowboys lost... That, well, the Cowboys, um, they lost. Actually, it's, oh my God, it's been two weeks. It's been a depressing, yeah, depressing two Yeah, they lost to the weeks. Packers. We lost to the Packers last Sunday. And the Dodgers lost on Monday to the Nationals. So I was yeah, super was, sad, was depressed. I was in depression mode. And I said, Kush, I can't do it this week. Give, give your condolences to Brandy Please. on our social media. Thank you. 
and then or just tell her to suck it up <laughs> next and then this following sunday i'm you know jets we're taking the jets gonna be fine sam darnold's coming back no problem whatever their defense still sucks right they let everybody score on them psych you That's guys are scored to like the fourth quarter. Are you guys didn't like okay, get so, your shit together until the fourth quarter? So this is the same thing, the same recipe, the same turmoil, the same insanity that happened last game against the Packers, who were a better team, or so I thought. I had said earlier that, or, or either our last podcast was before the Packers just suck. Apparently, well, apparently not, or maybe they do suck and the Cowboys are just worse. But well, the Cowboys. I mean, sorry, the Packers are five and one. We'll talk about why right. they're five and one later. Yeah, but. The Cowboys did not score until the second half. I think the second half. I you think, cannot win football games scoring in the second half. You can, and on top of that, flags, flags. The last two games were over a hundred yards in flags thrown on the Cowboys. Now we have been talking about how the refs are bad, and a few will take away fine three, but that's still what sixty yards per game. I mean, that is just on, on just dumb stuff, and. It's just so many mistakes. Our defense, our, our our freaking pass defense, like Jesus. And Sam Darnold was making us look stupid. A 92-yarder, a 92-yarder. I, I think he had like 338 passing yards and two touchdowns. And I get it. People were saying, and shout out Tony Romo. He was calling the game. And he was saying, well, you know, Sam Darnold is better than people thought. Yeah, he had he hasn't been playing, but this is hard going to be hard for the Cowboys defense because they haven't seen him on tape, blah, 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 blah. No, I don't care. When you see a guy, you freaking cover him, right? That's just plain and simple. And the same thing happened last week against the Packers. Aaron, Granny Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but they were driving, just driving on the Cowboys like it was easy. We would get a few good stops, great. Our rush, def- our rush defense is awesome, I think. But Jesus Christ, we would we, it'd be third, it'd be third and something, third and something, and then throw a big pass, twelve yards. Okay, well then what was the point? So that was going to bring up my next point is that when you were talking about the defense is the defense was playing great through the first four games, average only 14 points yep. through the first four games. And in the past two games, they've given up an average of 29 points and one of them being the Jets. Also, another sadder point, I sat, I benched the Rams defense last week, this past week in fantasy, and I started the Cowboys defense. I mean, I think that's a lose-lose situation anyways, whether you would have started the Rams or the or the Cowboys. Yeah, but the Rams are giving up more points than the Cowboys. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways, just another sadness. It's been a tough week, guys. But yeah, so I think Dak is on a contract year. He needs to really put the team on his back because Zeke, they're pretty much stacking the box up against Zeke, and their upcoming schedule is not going to be nice to them at all. They play a top 10 rush defense six times. That's the Eagles, the Vikings, the Patriots, the Bills, the Bears, and then the Eagles again. So that's six games right there which are going to try to stop Ezekiel Elliott, which will they'll put basically that offense in the hands of Dak Prescott. But Dak Prescott needs to show out like he was the first three games of the season. And, I mean... It also doesn't help that our starting offensive tackles, Tyron Smith and Lyle Collins, yeah. are out right now. They're kind of practicing, so we'll probably get them back at the end of the season or towards the latter end of the season. But and the receivers as well. Amari Cooper, Randall Cobb, and then Michael Gallup's like questionable <laughs> as well. So, I mean. I have Amari Cooper on my fantasy team too. Yeah. So, I mean, they're trash. just dealing with a lot of injuries right now. But, I mean, and then but the, 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 big, the, biggest, the biggest injury, I think, is Tyron Crawford on that defense. Yeah. He's, you can he, see it. He's going to be out for the season. He's uh, He had season-ending hip surgery. So, that's a big loss to the defense as well. So, I mean. 
injuries are not on the side of the Cowboys, but I mean. Yeah, no, back to your point with Dak. Remember I said I was on the Dak train, choo-choo. Well, you know what? I'm going to take a stop. I'm going to take a stop because, and we all said, we all, I, I, you sh- I mean, you, you all heard me in the podcast where I was just going on and on. We're going to be great this season, blah, blah, blah. Well, obviously not because, like we said, he looked, con- what I did say is that he, when Dak looks confident and feels, when Dak feels confident, he's a great quarterback. But when he's not, he's, he shuts down. He's a very mental player and he has to get out of that. And that's something that he can easily get out of. But he, you could see it in his face, and we could see it in HD. He looks, ner- he looks nervous. And when he can't rely on Zeke, because like you said, they're just boxing in on Zeke, there's not much he could do. And then that's when he gets some mistakes, where he'll throw too high, or he'll throw a pet pick. He actually, actually, I will say, he didn't do too bad this past game. Not uh, too bad. I think he did worse against the Packers, obviously, with all the interceptions. But he, there were a, couple, a few passes that Gallup should, Michael Gallup should have caught. But so, some passes you'll see they're thrown too high. That's where he makes some mistakes. And the fact that we can't convert a two points against the Jets, who haven't won a game all season. So I we ran this poll on Twitter basically saying which fan base has been the most annoying so far this season. And the Cowboys fans won by a landslide at 64%. <laughs> and I think Brandy did a great impersonation of Cowboy fans right there. Yeah. I mean, she literally just said she was on the deck train and then just hopped off i just hopped off the you gotta train. ride and die with your team i'm um, no i'm not whether that means whether that means in jerseys listen, in in listen, jorts listen, in listen. the streets of new orleans listen like all the other listen cowboy to me. fans trust me i am riding and die i am dying with this team i am riding with it dying with it but dak has just always been one thing for me where it's just i'm not all in on him until he proves that he can be our great franchise quarterback because he is not yet i thought he was going to be at the beginning of the season and once he gets his stuff together he's uh, by the end of the season i don't see him as a great great quarterback does he have the talent does he have the skill yes yes and yes and he has all the tools around him to be great and to do great things but if one the little thing goes wrong he just shuts down you can't be a great quarterback and do that. In and fact, that you need one, to be the opposite. That one little thing is playing a good defense, actually, not like the first three weeks, the Redskins, Giants, yeah. Miami. I mean, yeah, and I have to agree. Cowboy fans, we have to agree. But don't ever get it twisted. I will love this team no matter what they do. It's like I'm in a I'm in a, it's like I'm in a, an emotionally abusive relationship. Jesus Christ. All right. <laughs> that's, how, that's as best as I think most Cowboy fans could describe it. All right, let's move on to our next segment which we do this every week it's our are you blind call of the week that um, is right we are doing it because you know we got terrible officiating this and this season. past week was really really bad all right so i'll let you go first brandy what's your say, call because kush's is worse oh, i'm about to go off oh no but okay hell it better hold their hats <laughs> yeah okay so my are you blind call of the week was when the Browns and the Seahawks came, it was the third quarter. There was about four minutes left, and the Browns were down 25 to 20. And we all knew this was like it was a it was a pretty good game, right? So Jarvis Landry was flagged for an illegal blindside block. Now, if you look at if you were watching the game, then you'll know that somebody was coming towards him, head shoulders down. So what did he do? He blocked him, and that was that. He was coming right towards him right towards him and they threw a flag on it 
because it was a blind side. I don't know how they must be blind if it was blind side because that's well, the only way a, they wouldn't have been reason, able to see it. There's a reason why it's called a blind side hit. And I, and this is what I mean about the NFL kind of becoming softer with these rules. Like the rule. So me growing up playing football, when I made a blind side hit, I would get praised for that because you made a great hit. You got the crowd into it, all that stuff. And now it's a penalty. And I get it is for player safety and all that stuff. But I mean, blind side hits, man, they're, they're part I think of the it game. also depends. Like, it also depends on the hit. It, right. If it's a helmet it's to helmet, like kind of well, blindside. Well, not even hit. necessarily helmet to helmet. If some guy's just taking you out. You're not even paying attention. You're nowhere near the play. I mean, like you don't. Have yeah. To do okay. That. If you're nowhere near the play, then that that's unnecessary roughness. But I hate the illegal blindside block like rule in general because blindside blocks are a part of the game. They've been a part of the game, so it's like. I mean, to a certain extent, but this was not even blindsided. Yeah. It was not blindsided, and that's the whole point. Why call it? And why call it? Why call this hit when it was just a block? He was just blocking. And shout out to Jarvis Landry. It was a pretty good block. He did his job. And they were able to get a couple yards, but then they had to get, but then it was taken back. So that was my Are You Blind Call of the Week. Kush, now get ready for this is the big kahuna call of the week. All right. So my Are You Blind Call of the Week, uh, it's not really a call, it's a whole game. And I think you guys all know what I'm talking about. It's, the Monday night football matchup, which was the Lions versus the Packers. If you are a Packers fan, I know you are loving it because the NFL refs were definitely on your side this past week. But let's first start off with the two blatant ones that had Twitter and social media and NFL fans roaring everywhere. And that was the legal hands to the face, which was called twice on Trey Flowers uh, to David Bakhtiari, who was guarding him. And his hands in the replay was nowhere near his neck and nowhere near his face mask. So that call should not have been called. Mm-hmm. It was only shoulder pads. And one of those pen and what makes it worse is the situation of those penalties. So the first penalty basically took away a third down sack, which means the Packers would have to punt the ball, giving the ball back to the Lions. The second one came on a third down incompletion, which basically gave Green Bay the chance to go up the field, run the clock the entire way, and kick a game-winning field goal the last two seconds of the game. So basically, those two calls right there messed it up completely for the Lions when they shouldn't have been called in the first place. And because of that, this loss made the Lions, potentially from being first in the NFC North, they're now sitting at last in the division. And that's how crazy – that's why these penalties – are such a bit I have such a big issue with because they can make, basically make or break a team's entire season like going from the first place in the division to last place like that is insane. Well, yes, but no. So, yes, there was a lot of terrible terrible calls this game. Oh, there, there's way more. So, once you once you finish, I'll go through my whole list that uh, I have from this game. Although, okay, well, okay, although I've always been one to say, you know, no matter what the penalties are, it shouldn't come down to penalties whether you win or lose games. If the game is that close and it comes down to – they shouldn't come down to penalties. You should just be able to win, right? Or you you lost, you lost, you win, you win. So I get, I, but, that. I but, get that argument, but that's only to a certain extent. I was going to say – well, I was going to say that, but – Okay, go ahead. I was going to say that, but – I feel like with the NFL this season, it's gotten to with the NFL refs, I should say, not the NFL, because they're a little separate, I guess, question mark. But it's just been no, really they, bad. They're both bad. It's been. Yeah. I mean, but it's been really bad this season. But although watching that game, yes, there was a lot of really, really shitty calls. But I just don't think that it like that, like how you said, it's it can determine a season. I don't think that. 
I don't think that at all. One, we're still, we're not even halfway through the season. We're about halfway. And two, you, you shouldn't come down to, it shouldn't come down to penalties where you stand in your season. And that's, that's just what I'm going to say about that. But I'm not going to, I'm not going to not agree and say that there were a lot of really bad calls that came. I think, Very bad. I think it is going to affect them because potentially coming down to the wire, if, so first of all, if the Lions win this, they're first in the division. Who had the Lions first in the division in the preseason prediction? I don't think anybody did. I think everyone had their them completely last in the division, including myself. So to see them in first place, that's a momentum for them to go week to week. And then winning against a division rival in the Packers, that's even a bigger moral victory. And then let's say it comes down, both teams end up having a tie, tied record. And I get what you're saying, that penalties don't, you know, tell the whole game but to a certain extent when you were out there uh fighting like blood sweat and tears with your teammates and these penalties basically cost you a game that's frustrating and that's why i think it basically makes or breaks a season i think it's frustrating when it highly when it really affects the game like when it, it really affects your game yeah but it didn't determine the game like it oh, didn't ultimately determine the game but these pe- these penalties did to be honest, because they could have had one three and out, which would they would have maintained the leading, probably could have gone down a score again. And then there was another one where basically they kicked the field goal. They were, that penalty allowed them to run more time off the clock to kick a game-winning field goal, whereas if they would have kicked the field goal, I think the Lions still would have had a minute 50 and three, t- three timeouts to go down the field and score. All they needed was a field goal to win the game. But then that's if they did that. Yeah, you know what I mean? So it's all speculation. So like I said, yeah, the, the, all these are really bad. And the fact that you can even review more plays and you still, they're still not getting called correctly is really, really shitty and it's terrible. But don't you think this could be okay instead of it being detrimental for the Lions, which it is, they're in last place now, but they just as quick as they got into last place, they could easily work their way back up. Also... After being the Lions, after losing to the Packers, after everybody, everybody, that's the thing. Everybody knows that there was terrible, shitty calls against the Lions. Everybody knows this. So wouldn't it be as more motivation to be like, you know what? We're not going to let penalties determine the next game. We're going to play perfect. We're going to be perfect. But so I think there is. You can't control penalties if they're being called when you're playing a perfect game. Like that well, legal not, well, hand. No, because if you're playing, if you're playing as best as you can, if you're throwing the shit out of the ball, running the hell out of the ball. Uh, I'm pretty sure um, those penalties might not have mattered. So that's what I'm saying. There's just another way to look at this, but I'm not going to disagree and say the, the calls this year are really like the worst we've ever seen, ever. I don't think you can just say that. I don't know. I, I, I think that penalties do decide, maybe not decide a game, but they do have a huge effect on the game with they're winning and losing, especially in that situation. And that's what we're going to talk about soon. But that's not even the only call that was. There was one missed passing interference call on the Packers, but what else is new? So I'm not even like surprised about that. And then one big one is they called a touchdown on Aaron Rodgers' throw to Lazard, and every scoring play is reviewed. They called a touchdown, and there's a clear picture of his knee down and the ball not crossing the goal line, and they still called it a touchdown. They didn't reverse it. It should have been on the one-yard line, mm-hmm. and they still didn't reverse it. So I have no idea what is going on with NFL officiating this season, but it is absolutely pissing me off. And these aren't even, like, my favorite teams, but it's, like, as an NFL fan, I like, I want to watch a clean game and the best team actually come out on top and win. I don't want to watch penalties saving a team's ass 
to winning and deciding whether a team wins or loses. And but also the thing is too, it's like not only are they calling bad calls, they're not even calling the right calls. And they get they have the ability to they have the ability to review it, and they're still not getting it right. Yeah, which that's that's does the not make crazy sense part. And the thing, and it's all about their egos. It's all about the NFL refs' egos because they don't want to say that oh I was wrong, and it's 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 a man thing. It's literally a man thing. It's a man in power thing, and. You hate to hear it, you hate to hear it, you hate to see it, but this is what's happening. It's because of their egos and they don't want to say I was wrong or oops, I messed up. That's what's going on. That's exactly what's happening. They but have like, have- they, we have like, what? 12 cameras, more than 12 cameras in an no, NFL way game. Way more. Way more. But for refs' purposes, they have way more. They could use any camera. They could, hell, they could use some kid iPhone angle from the side who has a closer view if they really wanted to. So the fact that they can review the plays and not and not be able to reverse them is unacceptable. Unacceptable. And you have past and present NFL players coming out on social media and giving their opinions. Basically, like Barry Sanders. TJ, when Barry Sanders comes out and tweets, Barry Sanders never tweets, especially yeah, about he had the to NFL. Dig, he, he had to go into his passwords file, find his password for Twitter, log in just to tell the world that. So, so that's how you, when, when a player like Barry Sanders comes out and tweets, that's how you know something is wrong because that man never talks on, on social media. And I mean, what what does the NFL need to do to stop this horrific officiating? Well, according to Roger Goodell, they're doing everything they can. So like I said, Roger Goodell had a press conference earlier today, and he said, and I quote about, this is actually specifically about the pass interference replay rule, which is, I think, one of the bigger things that everybody's so mad about this season because like we just talked about and he had said um and so he had said that he believes the numbers reflect that intent and that the process is settling out as the league expected what the hell does that even mean what what does that even mean it's just a bunch of bullshit coming out of roger goodell's mouth what else is new also this is something one of my cousins actually um this is his theory and i'm sure it's a lot of other people's theories on to why the refs are as kush believes throwing each game or kind of like favoring a team or um, to win or lose is that's not my theory no i know but this is based off what you said oh yeah my cousin's theory is that so the nf so what what's really big now betting sports betting and football betting nfl betting so he's coming it's becoming more and more legal in a lot of states yep so people so my cousin's theory is that big people with big money are 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 putting money down for a certain team to win or lose, whatever it is, and the refs have to do whatever they can to do so be- for whatever reason because the NFL is extremely corrupt. And I think we're seeing that more and more because I kind of believe it at this point. I mean, it is a possibility, but I mean, Shout that's always... Shout out to my cousin Joseph. That was him. That's that's always going to be a theory no matter what sport, but when I think it it's, is. It's more apparent and there's more evidence to back up that theory now more than ever because I don't of this officiating. I don't know if there's evidence. It's just bad officiating, but I don't know if you can put that solely on refs trying to throw a game. I mean, I think there would be a little more evidence that you would need, but I mean, it. I mean, it's a. I mean, I'm not saying we should. I'm not saying we should. I'm not saying we should take him to court, but. <laughs> but I mean, so basically, Dan Olarski came out on Get Up on ESPN, and he said it best. He said, "Quote." You don't have a problem. You have an epidemic. Your product, and he's talking about the NFL, is slowly being ruined by a third party that has no consequences for their actions. And I think that's that's the best way you could put it. Yeah. And that's – so basically the mastermind behind all this is Al Reveron, who's the senior VP of officiating for the NFL. 
He's basically sitting in his seat and smiling because the NFL has not come out after all these outrageous, controversial calls or non-calls or missed calls or not overturned calls because he knows the NFL is fearful of potential negative impacts, basically saying that the officiating has been wrong. Like, they don't want to come out and say that. And this is where I think the NFL needs an official spokesperson, someone that has the balls to talk like this and is not going to break under pressure because I guarantee you the spokesperson for the NFL referees is going to be under a shit ton of scrutiny. And basically, I think he needs to come out after every game, whether that's the next day on NFL Network, whether it's on radio, whether whenever it is, and they need to come out and talk about these controversial calls, whether that means like, that call should have been overturned or whatever it is, or the referee didn't maybe didn't have a good angle, like something just well, to say that's happened, but it happens. It's, it'll happen years later. That's like, what I'm saying. But like but what's NFL fans need to know why now, like why is the officiating so bad? And like, that's why I think they need a legitimate spokesperson to come out and, you know, tell them because basically hiding behind a screen and basically knowing that they can get away with it is absolutely bullshit. And it's basically ruining the game that I love, that I grew up playing, that I grew up watching. And I think a lot of fans, NFL fans can vouch for that as well. I mean, it's just, I feel like it's for the past four years, I should say it's gotten increasingly worse and worse. I think this year has to be the worst. 100%. Even even I, I put this poll up on Twitter as well. They said, 85% 85% of voters said, or of our listeners said that this has been the worst. I mean, yeah, I'd like somebody to pick another year that where officiating is worse. Also, the fact, I mean, like you were saying about how the NFL doesn't want to come under scrutiny. First of all, the NFL has been under scrutiny for several reasons. We can go all the way back to when Kaepernick kneeled at, um, during the national anthem. There's all kinds of stuff with the NFL. People have stopped watching the NFL right. because of that. Be, and so I think at this point, with them coming out and saying and admitting that they were wrong, that's a step in the right direction. It's a step in the but right direction. But they don't even do that. No, they don't because of their egos. They're because of their fat egos. They don't want to admit they're wrong. They're, and then this is probably what they're saying. And they're scared well, of what people are Well, we've done football the same way for 100 years. This is the 100th year. We can't. We're not going to change it now. And, dude, times are changing. Technology is better. Actually... We might be wrong. This might not be the worst officiated game. It might have been a game in like the 60s, but they didn't have the technology we do now. They also and didn't have the viewership don't... that that's being viewed right now. Like the NFL is at all, one of, or actually it's not at all time, yeah. right? but it's like there's a lot of viewers, millions of viewers watching your And there's different sports. angles. There's different cameras. Fans have more access to what's going actually going on on the field as it's happening. And I think that's also changing how we see the game and that, the fact that we have more access to the game and we can see exactly what's happening even as it's happening or after fa- after the fact is why the NFL needs to change. You can't keep running. It's their 100th year. They've been running it the same way for 100 years and that's their problem. All I know Mic is that drop. they need to do something about this because that Lions versus Packers games was one of the worst officiated games I've watched. That was terrible. And I think the the NFL officiating needs to finally come out and discuss these issues to, you know, maybe calm down the public and the fans rather than just tuck it away and hope the fans forget it in a year or two. All right, let's move on to postseason talk with the MLB. So we got one of the most interesting postseasons. Yeah, one of the most surprising postseasons, I would say, as well. Um, Some would say depressing. Well, if you're a Dodger fan, yes. Well, let's talk about the ALCS first, the Yankees versus Astros. So this matchup was basically be- between two of the top three teams in the entire mm-hmm. MLB. And I think this, 
uh, one of my buddies told me this. Oh, I think it was Kyle. Kyle told me that this game, and he made sense. He was like, this uh, matchup is basically kind of like the NBA matchup when the Cavaliers played the Warriors in the finals. LeBron dropped 50 points, and then J.R. Smith ended up uh, throwing the game, or not throwing the game, but he didn't know the score or whatever it was, yeah. and they ended up getting swept. He's saying it's basically like that. That's how the Nats versus that Yankees-Astros is going to be, and that series before with the Warriors versus the Rockets that's basically the quote-unquote NBA final. So I think this Yankees-Astros game is basically going to be quote-unquote the World Series. Mm-hmm. This is going to be the mo- most interesting series in the entire postseason. Well, I mean, don't discount the Nats, but starting off with the Yankees and the Astros, so first of all, so the Astros are leading 2-1, two, two to one, and game four was supposed to be played Wednesday night. on Wednesday night, but it got postponed because of rain because apparently other states in, across the country has actual seasons. So because of that, right. because of that, that changes everything about the game now. Astros leading 2-1. I kind of expected going into the series that the Astros were going to beat the Yankees. It like, like you just said, it's going to be a great series. But the Yankees, I mean, they, they've been doing great. Their, their bullpen has been awesome, and the fact that this game today was postponed until Thursday is a disadvantage to them because now the Astros, they're going to start Granky and then Verlander, Verlander for the next two games, I, which is the only two games they I, need. I think I think Granky's going to get lit up. You uh, think so? Yeah, th- on Thursday, I think he's going to get lit up Hot by the Yankees. And that's what's going to make it 2-2. And then the Astros are going to win Verlander and Cole back-to-back. So they'll win the series 4-2. I don't agree because Granke has had a couple days of rest now. And having this entire day, to because it was raining, to look over your game plan, make certain decisions. Everybody gets a little bit of rest. Your mind's a little clear. It's just just like a whole new game. It's like they're starting the series again. Eh. (laughs) You don't think so? I mean, they're still up. The Yankees have more games to win than the Astros. But, yes, I, I think more game planning will help both the Yankees and the Astros as well. But can we talk about game three real quick? And can we talk about Garrett Cole and how amazing he is? Yeah. He didn't even have a good he didn't have a good start, but he still had a good start. That's how good this guy is. Seven scoreling, scoreless innings to one of the biggest offensive lineups in the entire MLB. Arguably the best offensive lineup yeah, in the entire MLB. for sure. And he walked five guys. This is only the second time in his entire career that he's walked five guys. And this is the craziest stat that I cannot, like, I, can't, I still can't process it. His last loss came back on May 22nd. That's almost five months without a loss as a pitcher. He has been dealing since May. So Garrett Cole is, that's why in a game seven situation, I would go with Garrett Cole over Justin Verlander. I think Garrett Cole is the ultimate trump card to have in a winner go home game. I mean, if no, I would go with Verlander. The way the way Garrett Cole has been pitching this uh, postseason, I think I might go with Garrett Cole. Verlander might be the. I mean, Verlander's still their ace, yes, and he's probably going to win the Cy Young award. But Verlander's the one of the best pitchers in the league right now. For sure. But I'm saying right. So you wouldn't start him in a game seven? No, because I think Garrett Cole is better than him right now in this postseason. If you look at the stats, it'll tell you yes. I'm looking at him like he's crazy because I think you're crazy. I, I just don't see I just don't see not starting Verlander. Well, no, I'm saying start Verlander, but I'm saying in a seven in like a game seven winner go home. 
I'm taking Garrett Cole over Verlander. All right. You can't go wrong with either. But you, well, I mean, yes, but still. And it's not I fair would, that they're on the same team right now. Like that's real life. They're on the same team. I yeah, like we talked about earlier, it's insane. But or a couple episodes ago, but I I don't think Granky's gonna get lit up. Granky turns it on when he has to, and we'll see. I just think the Yankees have a lot of pent up offensive power that they haven't been letting loose this series so far, and that is. Yeah. That is because the Astros have some damn good pitching. Right. And but then, I don't know. I, th- I think the Yankees are any momentum away from popping off. Well, you might be right. And the Yankees are they are confirmed to start Masahiro T- Tanaka. He's another great pitcher. Yeah. He's going to do great. And I think gonna, he's, the Astros are going to struggle against him for sure. But I just think when the Astros start out hot, they just keep going. They I, have I was just amazing say that, yeah. team energy. Where they do not, okay, one person gets on the load, they don't leave people on base. It's an entire team rally. They're all behind it 100%. And I think that that's one of the best things about this Astros team. We've seen it the past three years. Yeah, we saw them light up Tyler Glass now in game five. And basically, the Rays figured out his pitches. They, they figured out, like, well, there's glove is higher than his numbers on his chest like it's a curveball did you see that video and then if it's lower then it's a fastball and that's how they lit him up for like what four runs in the first inning because they figured out his pitches so i mean this astros lineup is that smart and that sneaky that they could light up tanaka but we'll see and then i think the yankees came out said they're planning on using james paxton for game five as well so Mm -hmm. i mean both (laughs) these pitchers are just they're solid pitchers so it's going to be a pitcher's duel. I'm hoping it's going to be a pitcher's duel, but I'm also hoping it's going to be a lot of home runs. So, I mean, postseason gonna... baseball, it's usually, a pitcher's, it's usually a pitcher's duel, and then we'll see who makes uh, the, the, the great hit, like the great big hit. Right. Unless some, a team goes on a run. But with, these, with such great pitching, it's going to be really, really difficult. Yeah, so we'll see. I, I have the Astros, like I said. What's your prediction? Because I said mine was li- Yankees, Yankees take the next game, and then Astros win the next two games. So it's going to be... I think the Astros have a full advantage to take the next two games. Next two games? Yeah, okay. So I you have so. Astros in five. I have Astros in six. Okay, so moving on to the NLCS, the Nats and Cardinals. You and know who really gets a lot of rest time? Boy. The Nationals. Boy. They, what a series. I, I don't think anybody expected them to bring out the brooms like that. Dude. And like, I, like Brandy said, when it comes to postseason, pitching matters the most, and the Nationals showed that. They displayed that fully. Dude, I just don't. It's just so mind blowing. First of all, I mean, like I mentioned several times, that they beat the Dodgers. The Dodgers were supposed to go. The Dodgers were supposed to go to the World Series. The Dodgers were supposed to go to the World Series, and the Nationals beat them. They handled them. They handled them, like it was like almost nothing, which is insane, because the Dodgers left. They had people left on base. A lot, but that's been a, that's been a problem with the Dodgers all season long. Right, I mean, yeah, but we're, I mean, but besides that, the fact that the Nationals could hold them to that right. when they were not even expected to, and the long sung hero for the Nationals was Howie Kendrick, yes, who basically gave him what game what was a game three when he when he tried to tag up and then was thrown out and all that, yeah, so. I mean, he basically gave that game to the Dodgers, but then came back and won the series for them. So I would say it's hell of a redemption. Yeah, and then Juan Soto. Juan Soto, that I cannot. That man, he's twenty. He's, so, he's, he's twenty years old. He can't even drink alcohol. So they were popping champagne after the <laughs> NLCS sweep. Like I don't. He, he's probably. Oh, well, well, you didn't see him when he was popping the champagne because exactly. he was chugging in the corner yeah, where there are yeah. no cameras. <laughs> yeah, for sure. But no, but to think that he's twenty years old and he is that 
best hitter on that team in this postseason so far is ridiculous. Yeah. That national team is wow. They came from a wild card spot. They were a wild card team. Yeah. And they're going to the World Series. And this is the first time in franchise history that the Nationals are going to the World Series. And now I know they beat the Dodgers, but I want the Nationals to win. Also, because who wants to see the Yankees and the, or the Astros win? Wouldn't it be great to see the Nationals win? It would. It would be great. Wouldn't to see it be the awesome? Win. But do we think it's going to happen? We'll I see. don't think so. I don't think so. But we'll, 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 yeah, we'll see. We'll see. But yeah, like you said, the Nationals being their first World Series appearance. So the only team that hasn't made a World Series appearance now is the Seattle Mariners. Poor, poor Seattle. <laughs> they got to deal with that gloomy weather every single year, like all it year is round. The, uh, most and now, suicidal city in America, I believe. Oh Jesus! Dang, Seattle. I don't. I mean, it's Mariners a get to the World Series. Help them hey, out. Hey, the Seahawks are doing okay. Yeah, they are. <laughs> Seattle, we got a deal. <laughs> Go Hawks! Okay. I can't get over that. I can't get over that video of Russell Wilson and Sierra. It's too <laughs> funny. But yeah, with Philly though, I find it hilarious because when Bryce Harper signed with the oh sorry, did I say Philly? I meant Nats. Mm-hmm. When Bryce Harper signed with the Phillies, like, he uh, he basically said he was like, "I'm gonna do everything to get a to bring a championship to DC." <laughs> so it's kind of funny yeah, now. Indeed. Well, he did. Yeah, I know he did now. <laughs> Somewhere in Philadelphia, and Bryce was it, Harper. Is it his birthday today or was it yesterday? I have no idea. It's, it was Bryce Harper's birthday yesterday. Poor guy. And he had <laughs> to see his old team go to the World Series. I mean. Somewhere Bryce Harper is crying in Philadelphia. It was, it was a and little wiping, shady. He's wiping his tears with $100 bills. True. Because that boy got paid. He's like, I could be sad, but I'm also rich. All right. And now big, big news for... Southern California baseball angels have signed Joe Madden. And this is coming off of As their firing of Brad Osmus. But yeah, Joe Madden is coming back home. Yeah, He was a bench coach um, when they won the 2002 world series. Well, this dates all the way back to 1976 because he was a minor league catcher for the angels. And then he retired in 1979. And then, yeah, he's been with the organization for, he was with them for over 31 years. Mm-hmm. And he won the 2002 world series as the angels bench coach. So, I mean, he has quite the resume. He basically flipped that raised team around and made them into contenders and then won the World Series with the Chicago Bears in 2016. So he signed a three-year deal, 12 to $15 million. Definitely, definitely what the Angels need. We all know what happened with the Angels. They were plagued by injuries, death as even. Always, so as it's always. been, it's, it was a mess players-wise, but they have the talent. What they don't have is a bullpen. Yeah, so I, that's the thing with so the Angels are coming off a seventy-two and ninety season, which was it sounds a lot worse than it actually was because it wasn't until the last like they had some quarter really bright of the series, spots. but it wasn't until the last quarter of the season where they completely just plummeted. Like they were in the wild card race through like three fourths of the season and then just completely fell down. But yeah, they went seventy-two and ninety, and when Matt Joe Madden took over the Rays and the Cubs, they were both coming off of ninety-five and eighty-nine lost seasons respectively. So. He has a history of turning teams around, so I think... Which a, is exactly, like we said, that's what the Angels need. Exactly. And and especially since they have arguably the best player in MLB history for seven seasons and have zero playoff wins. Okay, but they have no bullpen. No, they I know, that's no what bullpen, I'm saying. So, so I think he has, a, he has a lot on his plate with rebuilding this pitching staff from the bullpen to that the starting rotation. For sure, and that's why I'm... Me being an Angels fan, I am praying to God that we can somehow magically get Garrett Cole because he's going to be a free agent this year. 
He's from Southern California. He always talked about how he loved playing at Angel Stadium because it reminded him of home. But we'll see. I'm, I'm fingers crossed, but I won't be surprised if it doesn't happen. I mean, it very well could. But, I mean, like we said. If the Astros win the World Series, I, it's going to be – I doubt he's he's going to come to the Angels. He might stay in Houston. I mean, it Houston. depends because Joe Kelly won the World Series with the Red Sox and then went to the Dodgers this year after. Oh, don't say Joe Kelly. Because then, because if you just compare Joe Kelly to Garrett Cole, that means Garrett Cole's going to be well, ass no, if he comes like, to no, the no, Angels. Because no, he was no. ass for the Dodgers. Dude, yeah. But no, I'm not, but I'm just saying it's the same situation. No, I get you. So we I never know you. what will happen. But yeah, he's, he's going to have a lot with the pitching staff. And then he also needs to, I think the Angels need to produce a consistent offense. There's been games where they can put up 10 runs and look like one of the best offenses in the league and then come back the next day and get shut out. Well, I mean that that's necess- that can necessarily just be baseball, but one thing that one thing that the Angels do is with put guys like David Fletcher, Anderson Simmons when he's healthy, is they move guys around the bases very, very well. It's they don't use typically leave a bunch of guys on base all the time. So they're very good about moving people around the bases. And that's I think one thing that Brad Ausmus was good at as a manager. He he set up the lineup correctly, mm-hmm. but his pitching decisions were not good, which is why you know he lost his job. I think ultimately, but I mean, there's no problem without Angels offense. It's about the bullpen. Yeah, that and bullpen because they it's going to be really really hard to win games when they have to score more than eight runs. And one way to be, get a better bullpen is also maintaining like a, a solid farm system. And Angels have one of the best prospects in Joe Adele, who's going to be called up next year. Mm-hmm. I'm pretty sure. So there's gonna be a lot of changes in their pitching. Yeah, pitching, hitting, everything. They just need a whole revamp. Um, and then also with off-field situations like such as the Tyler Skaggs issue, he's gonna mm-hmm. have to deal with that. Make sure because he's had a history of dealing with off-field situations in a bad way with the whole Addison Russell thing. So yeah. I hope that Angels don't want another lawsuit. Well, there like already that. is a lawsuit, so hopefully they'll just keep him. Yeah, out of that entirely. So, yeah, Angels Joe Madden. I'm hoping that the Angels turn around. They can finally contend again because they do have the best player in baseball. And that man needs a championship ring, a World Series. All right, so now we're moving on to the NBA because it's starting next week. The madness begins. Let's go. Very, it's going to be a very exciting season. We have a lot of teams, not just two or three or one or two, who, are, who could potentially be in the NBA Finals. Yeah. Who could say that they are. I so, think I think this is going to be one of the most balanced NBA seasons. Not as like we saw last year where we just wrote in the Warriors as NBA Finals. Yeah. Like this is actually balanced season. So I'm really excited for it. Yes, definitely. And we did run a poll on our Instagram and it was actually a write-in. So check our Instagram stories because we're going to start doing that and you can be featured. And basically we just, um, we I asked who was taking the NBA championship in 2020. Obviously really early to predict. We got a lot of Lakers, um, Jay of Wally course. said LeBron James, the King. He also said Taco Tuesday. Taco Tuesday. <laughs> um, Rob Era said definitely not the Clippers. Sorry, Kush. Well, that doesn't answer our question, Rob Era. And then Jay Rod said Thunder Up. Okay, see, okay. Oh boy, I see it. Oh boy, we'll talk about it. Um, Kush responded to our own <laughs> and said <laughs> Clip City Chip City baby. Let's go. And then Christian Guajardo. Guajardo said Lakers, I'm calling it. So obviously a lot of Lakers fans, I get it. You guys are excited, but. They mob. Laker fans mob. And rightfully so. They have a lot of history 
with them. So they've got a lot riding on. We've got a lot riding on the season. And the there's been do. a long drought. What has it been? Six years, five, six years of no playoff six appearance. Years. Yeah, six years of no playoff appearance. And you have LeBron James and Anthony Davis, two of the top five players in the NBA right now. So there should be no reason why you guys don't make the playoffs, let alone maybe make the NBA finals. So let's talk about our NBA standings predictions should we do western conference since we're already talking about yeah. the west coast we're talking about western conference so i'm gonna go we'll start with obviously the one seed i'm gonna go with the clippers and this is me being completely unbiased oh really just because the clippers <laughs> went 48 and 34 last year and they basically just swapped shea gilgis alexander and daniel gallinari for Kawhi leonard and paul george and inserted them into that lineup yeah. which is so I'm not just I'm not disagreeing with you. So that's why I think they're gonna win the West. The West is so freaking stacked though this season. It's gonna be tough. I have the Clippers number one too. I have the Denver Nuggets. I have them number two as well. I think the Denver Nuggets have the best bench in the entire league, and I think that's ultimately what comes what comes down to wins and losses, and also in the playoffs. Well, playoffs the, the rotations kind of get shorter, but during the regular season, with you know players load management, they're, they're sitting out. The bench needs to step up, and I think the Nuggets definitely have the best bench in the entire league, and they also have a young duo in Jokic and Jamal Murray. So I'm I'm really liking that Nuggets team. I just don't know if they can go the distance in the playoffs, just because they're still so young. And then in third place, or the third seed, I have the Houston Rockets. I do too. And the only reason, okay, so I really wanted to put the Rockets higher up. But I just think that the Clippers team this year is way too dominant. Mm-hmm. Way too dominant. They have amazing coaching in Doc Rivers. And one of the most underrated things about the Clippers is that they signed Tyron Lue to their uh, coaching staff as well. Tyron yeah. Lue has been an NBA championship and a coach, and he also used to work under Doc Rivers when he was with the Clippers, I think, what was it, four years ago? Yes. So, and then I thought, okay, well, then I'll put them second, but I'm like, but the Denver Nuggets are just way too dominant. So, like we said, this is a stacked Western Conference. That's why I have the Rockets at third in the standings. And obviously with the Russell Westbrook and James Harden Mm -hmm. reuniting in Houston. um, That's going to be extremely exciting to watch, and I am – so ex- I'm really excited to watch the Rockets play this year. But big news for the Rockets is that they may have lost Gerald Green for the entire season with a foot injury. So if they do lose Gerald Green, that's going to be a big loss for them. You may not think of him as a big part of that offense or that team, but the Houston Rockets basically live off of James Harden playing iso ball, getting, driving to the hoop, getting attracting defenders and kicking it out to the wing. And Gerald Greenwood did a great job. He also was very athletic defensively and offensively. So that might be a tough loss, but I think the Rockets will still be solid with or without him. And coming in at the fourth seed, I have the Lakers breaking their six-year playoff drought at the fourth seed. Now I have the Lakers in the playoffs too, but I have the Jazz, the Utah Jazz in the fourth seed. Okay. I can't, I can't argue with that because I have the Jazz as a fifth seed right behind them. So I think it's, it's – They're a sleeper team. A they are. A big sleeper team. And they I are. think that there's so much hype surrounded, or surrounded by the Lakers, LeBron, AD, that people forget that the Utah Jazz are going to come to play this season. Yeah. And they're going to put up a fight. The Utah Jazz probably made – well, I would say outside of the Clippers and maybe the Lakers, the, the Utah Jazz – actually, I don't know. Maybe the Utah Jazz made – no, not over the Lakers. Just kidding. I take that back. 
But the Utah Jazz made some huge moves in the offseason, trading for Mike Conley, who is still a perennial all-star player, borderline. He should be in the all-star, but he was in the Western Conference all these years, so he never really made that all-star team. And then they got Bogdan Bogdanovich. So, yeah, another sharpshooter for Conley and Mitchell to pass to. And then, obviously, they have the two-time defending player of the year in Rudy Gobert, the man in the middle. So, yeah, that Jazz team, I'm not going to argue with that. So, who's your fifth seed? Because they were my fifth seed. The Lakers. Okay, got it. Yeah, so I had the Lakers in the fifth seed. I think the Lake. I think yes, the Lakers. That we have LeBron, we have AD, we have, and we have. There's a lot of other great players. We have the Lakers. We got Kuzma, as well. But I do think that this is going to be a different setup for the Lakers, and we'll get. To, we'll see how if they're going to prevail, if they're going to struggle. We now we are recording this on Wednesday night, and by this time, that no look. Pass behind the head, spin around, thrown out of bounds, pass from LeBron. That was nasty. I saw two angles. The game angle, it looks like he did it on purpose, but there was one angle where it looked like he was just, it was like a happy accident, which it might have been, but nonetheless still super cool. But what's the biggest thing, Lakers? LeBron has to stay healthy. The Lakers were a good team last season, too. Everybody said the same thing about the Lakers. They're going to go to the playoffs, might go to the finals. But LeBron got hurt. It all went downhill. So that's one thing that cannot happen. Also, new head coach. Yeah, Frank Vogel, more of a defensive-minded head coach. So, But, yeah, like you were saying, LeBron staying healthy. That's why I think they might tone back on the regular season and maybe save it all for the playoffs come playoff time. So, But that, that LeBron James and Anthony Davis duo is absolutely ridiculous. I've been watching them all preseason long, and they're scary. But the only problem with them is when they go to the bench, that bench isn't doing a great job. I think they just have a lot of – uh, player names that look good on paper, but when they're on the court, can they synchronize with one each other, with one another, and can they, you know, build that team chemistry? So that's going to be a huge storyline throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And then at number six, I have the Trailblazers. Okay, well, I have the Warriors because you cannot count them out. Steph Curry's coming back, Draymond Green, Clay Thompson. Well, Clay Thompson's going to be out for majority of the season because he tore his ACL. But, yeah, I mean, I can see the Warriors, but I have them at number seven right behind the Blazers. And like you said, Steph Curry is Steph Curry, the best shooter in NBA history, one of the best point guards in NBA history. Um, So, yeah, you can never write them out. But I think without Klay Thompson, that's a huge loss for them, and he may not be back until maybe March. Um, So, and and plus, they're lacking a lot of size from last year. They had... um, well, Kevin Looney's coming back, but they lost Kevin Durant, who's a lengthy wing player who was, in the beginning of last season, was in the contention for Defense Player of the Year. So. And in the playoffs, he came in very clutch for the Warriors. Yeah, and then DeMarcus Cousins, like, they don't have him anymore. So that Warriors team is looking very different, but you can never write them out uh, as long as they have Steph Curry you playing said point Steph, guard. You said Steph Curry, the best shooter in NBA history? Yeah. You're going to go down with that statement? Yeah, I, I think more than half the NBA will say that for mm-hmm. sure. Just wanted, I just wanted to put that out there. Yeah. Said it so casually. For, no, 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 no. I will put – I will put. I can't really put a bet on that because it's an opinion, but <laughs> I, 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 like, I legit think he's the best shooter, and I'm pretty sure I can back that up. So you have Trailblazers at what? Do you have them at seven then or what? Yes. Okay, so yeah, I have them at six. You have them at seven. Trailblazers were the third seed last year. They only really got 
they kind of got better, but I think the West just got more competitive. That's why I can't see them at the third seed as they were because Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum are coming back, and they Yusuf Nurkic will come back, but close to like November, December. But they got Hassan Whiteside, who's a big key addition to them, and then they got role players around them as well. Okay, so who do you have at number eight? At number so the eight seed was the hardest for me because I think that one through seven is kind of solidified unless any major injuries happen, which. You never want to wish injuries on anyone, but so that number eight seed, you know, you have the San Antonio Spurs who haven't missed the playoffs in God knows how long. You have the Dallas Mavericks who are looking really nice and really young with Kristaps Porzingis and Luka Doncic. And then you have the Pelicans, which I'm going as my number eight seed. I was going to go as the Pelicans too. I think the Pelicans are just, Zion Williamson is Zion, just I was absolutely say Zion ridiculous. Williamson. If you guys didn't see the preseason game with the Pelicans and Jazz, Zion was taking it to Rudy Gobert. And remind you, that's Rudy Gobert, who's a two-time defensive player of the year. One of the best shot blockers in the NBA right now, if not the best shot blocker in the NBA right now. And he was taking it to him like it was absolutely nothing. And on top of that, we've got Lonzo Ball coming back fully healthy. Lonzo Ball and Drew Holiday as a backcourt defensively, that's scary. Yeah. And they still have Brandon Ingram. Brandon Ingram, if he can stay healthy, and I think if he can play to his full potential. I just I don't think Brandon Ingram's going to play to his full potential because I don't think there's enough possessions and touches for him because he, he needs the ball in his hand. He yeah. can't really play off ball at all. So you're going to have Lonzo that somewhat needs the ball to facilitate. You mm-hmm. have Drew Holiday, who's a great uh, point guard slash shooting guard, and then obviously Zion's going to need the ball as well too. Right. So I mean, It'll be interesting to see how the rotations go out. Exactly. And then they also have J.J. Redick, which was a great offseason acquisition, and then Josh Hart came through in that trade as well. And then they also have young players outside of Zion Williamson from the draft in Jackson Hayes and, uh, and Nikhil Alexander-Walker. So this team is young. If they can – get it together quick and soon, I think they can make a playoff. And I think... I think they'll make the playoffs. And I think, yeah, I think they make the playoffs. And they can even, you know, make that number one seed to have some trouble, whether that's the Lakers, Clippers, Nuggets, Rockets, whoever it is. I think they'll give some trouble to whatever that first seed is. Yeah. All right, now moving on to the Eastern Conference. I think consensus number one seed is the Bucks. No, I have the Sixers. You have the Sixers at one? Yeah. Okay. You don't see it? Okay. Wow. Well, okay. Well, you go first. Why explain to everybody why and why everybody thinks the Bucks? Well, the Milwaukee Bucks basically are bringing back the same team. They lost Malcolm Brogdon, but I mean, they still have the MVP. They have Chris Middleton, Brooke Lopez. They have Eric Bledsoe, Wesley Matthews. They just signed him. So I mean, that Bucks team had the best record in the NBA last season, and rightfully so and especially given with how much weaker i wouldn't say weaker because they were kind of weak last year the eastern conferences i think it's going to be a cakewalk for the bucks you think it's gonna be like a cakewalk you don't even think it's gonna be hard no i think i think the 76ers they're they're my number two seed and they're gonna be good but i just don't i think the bucks are just gonna run through the eastern conference in in the regular season listen the sixers are going to be slept on. And I do think they have everything it takes to be the number one seed. They've been in the second round of the playoffs the past two years. They're one shot away from being in the Eastern Conference final as well. Exactly. So it's not that they don't have it. Embiid, Simmons, Harris, Horford, and Richardson. And I just think that if they're going to be, they're going to give the Bucks a run for their money. And nobody's going to expect the Sixers to come out and win. Arguably, the Sixers have four all-stars on their team. Four. 
I mean, we could say now that with the way all the teams are stacked that a lot of other teams do as well. But I can see the Sixers coming out from the bottom and not necessarily the bottom, but they're going to take the number one seed. Like, I could totally see it. I, I mean, their starting rotation is nice, but I think in order to be a number one seed, it also comes down to the bench. And I think they just lost way too many players. I mean, you look at their starting rotation. Yeah, they look like one of the best starting rotations in the entire NBA. But come, come to that bench, I don't know. I don't know if they can sustain that number one seed. Whereas, you know, the Milwaukee Bucks, they have George Hill. They have Robin Lopez, Kyle Korver, Wesley Matthews, whether he comes off the bench or he starts. But that's why I think the Bucks. And they also have the reigning MVP in Giannis Antetokounmpo. That all may be true as well. But I just think that the Sixers, the Sixers just have what it takes. And then Brett Brown, their, their head coach, I like the way he coaches, and he is gunning for that spot. He said in many interviews, I want the number one seed. I want the number one seed. And I think they're going to take it. They, they might. I mean, it is a possibility, but I think it's the Bucks. And then second seed, I have the 76ers. I have the Boston Celtics. I'm just kidding. I oh. have the Bucks. <laughs> oh, my God. You, my heart skipped a beat. <laughs> he should have seen his face. He looked like he saw a ghost. He's like, what okay. did you just say? So, yeah. No, I definitely have the Bucks. Bucks, six, Sixers. I we just got want the Sixers to upset the Bucks, okay? What's so hard to is that, is that well, too much Je- to Ben Simmons may have a jump shot, may or may not have a three-point shot now, so that's something to right? look out for. <laughs> if he does, then maybe this, if, if he could hit that with consistency, then okay, I can see the Sixers as the one seed, maybe. Maybe. But all right, third seed, I got the Indiana Pacers. I have the Celtics. Okay, so I have the Celtics at four. Okay, well, why do you have the Pacers at three? So, I mean... They're missing Victor Oladipo, their star player, halfway through the season, and they still ended up with the fourth seed. A lot of team, a lot of people thought that they were even going to fall out of the playoffs or make the eighth seed, but they ended up maintaining their winning ways and ended up as a fourth seed. So now you add Victor Oladipo back to that lineup, and now you add Malcolm Brogdon back to that lineup, who they just signed a big contract for, took him from the Bucks. And then I think one of the biggest steals of the offseason was trading for T.J. Warren from the Phoenix Suns. T.J. Warren has only been getting better each and every season. He almost averaged 20 points last year and 40% shooting. His three-point shooting was his biggest flaw, but now he's shooting 40% from behind the arc. So I think I think T.J. Warren and uh, Malcolm Brogdon are great additions as long as or as well as Victor Oladipo coming back to the lineup. So that's why they're my third seed. So I have the Boston Celtics. Celtics are my number four team. And Celtics, why they're my number four team is just, I don't think they're as stacked and powerful as the Bucks, Sixers, or Pacers. So, I mean, they they signed a big, Kemba Walker to a big deal, which I think is a better point guard in that system for the Celtics. Don't get me wrong. I think Kyrie Irving's a better point guard. But I think in that system, Kemba Walker can play off ball more than, and doesn't completely require the ball in his hands uh, as uh, Kyrie Irving did. So I think you'll see a rise in statistics from Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, Marcus Smart. Uh, but they did lose Al Horford, and I think that's one of the biggest things, and that's why I have them at number four, is they don't have their uh, defensive anchor down in that paint. They have Ennis Cancer, who's decent, but not defensively. And then for the fifth seed, I have the Brooklyn Nets. I have the Brooklyn Nets as well. No Kevin Durant this season. Otherwise, I'm pretty sure I would have the Nets number one. Um, But, yeah, they still have Kyrie Irving. They still have Jared Allen. They still have DeAndre Jordan, Spencer Dinwiddie, Karis LeVert. So, I mean, they're still stacked. Joe Harris. 
This team is still stacked, so that's why I have them as my number five seed. I think it's just going to take them a little time to mesh with each other before they can finally get it clicking. And I think they can potentially even upset some teams in the playoffs. I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, Kyrie Irving is Kyrie Irving, and then you have two solid big men in Jared Allen and DeAndre Jordan. Uh, and then sixth seed, I have the Raptors. Yep. I have the Raptors as well. They're still a strong team, even without Kawhi. Yeah. Exactly. They saw the most improved player in uh, Pascal Siakam, Spicy P, Kyle Lowry, Marcus All, Ibaka. They have all the players that were still there. Um, and given in such a weak Eastern Conference, I think the sixth seed is definitely possible, no doubt. And then seventh seed, I have the Miami Heat. I do as well. They uh, got this guy by the name of Jimmy Butler in a signing trade with the Sixers. So Just this guy. This guy can basically do it all for them. He can close games out. He can play make. He can shoot. He can defend. He's an all-around guy. So, And then they obviously they have Goran Dragic. They traded Hassan Whiteside, but I think Bam Adebayo, who is one of my – who can potentially be a most improved player this coming year. And uh, obviously I think they got one of the steals in the draft in Tyler Hero. Yeah, I was going to say he can shoot. Yeah, he can shoot lights out. So with the number eight seed, it was kind of the same thing as the Western Conference. A lot of teams you could have gone with. You could have gone with the, the the Magic, who were the eight seed last year. Or sorry, the seven seed last year. You could have gone with uh, the Pistons. You could have gone with the Atlanta Hawks, who were a young, promising team. But I, def- I went with the Detroit Pistons just because Blake Griffin, Andre Drummond, solid two big man duo, and then you add Derrick Rose to that lineup, whether he comes off the bench or not, and then Reggie Jackson. So I have the Pistons as my number eight seed. They could potentially be a sleeper team. I could see them excelling and surpassing. Going if they stay healthy, the big thing because yes, like Blake Griffin, Blake Griffin is an absolute baller. But and I loved him, and I still love him to this day because he'll always be a Clipper in my heart. But he's, th- he's just injury so prone. injury prone, and that's why. I was I was sad to see him go as a Clipper, but at the same time, I'm like, honestly, that's the best franchise move right there because the guy just can't stay healthy, and he has such a promising, promising career if he could stay healthy. Yeah. So let's talk about playoffs. Who you got winning it all? We heard from our listeners. We had a lot of Lakers out there. We had a lot of Clipper haters telling me <laughs> not the Clippers and stuff like that, but yeah. Who you got? I have the Clippers. I got to say. Not a girl. <laughs> I got to say, I mean, look at this team. Look at the coaching staff behind it. They have all their ducks in a row to be very successful this season. Extremely successful this season. Yeah. I mean, Almost too good. Yeah, the Clippers, like, the only thing that would really beat them is injuries. That That's honestly like the only team. thing I can, I can see beating them. But you have arguably the best six men ever ever in NBA history in Lou Williams. Then you have Montrezl. First of all, to have two sixth man of the year candidates on the same team, so wouldn't that be sixth and seventh man kind of a thing with yeah, Montrezl yeah. Harrell? And they would compete for who would get sixth man of the year. Yeah, so that's how it was last year. So, I mean, you have two of those right there. Basically, that's saying you have the two best bench players in the NBA. And then adding to that, you have Mo Harkless, you have Jamichael Green, and that te- the list just goes on and on. That bench yeah. is stacked, and don't even start me with the starting lineup. I don't know who's scoring on Patrick Beverly, Kawhi Leonard, and Paul George. And then you have Ivak uh, Zubak, and then you have uh, Mo Harkless, I think, if he starts. I don't, I don't know that yeah. last starting spot yet, but yeah. They also did pull up a couple rookies, so we'll see how... We'll they see. I think do. some of them are some two, on some two-way contracts, so they might be in the G League and they may be pulled up. But, yeah, 
They're expecting a big season out of their first round pick from last year, Jerome Robinson. Um, so we'll we'll see whether he can play and, up to his potential. And I think whoever wins the West Con- Western Conference is going to win the championship. So I think whoever's going to beat them in Western Conference, it could be Clippers versus Lakers. I would love, I would honestly love to see Lakers Clippers. In, It'd be insane. But they play giving, first game of the season. Giving my next standings, week. you had what Lakers at five, right? Yeah, I did. I had Lakers at four. So given the standings, they would meet each other in the second round, since we both have the Clippers in the as number one seed. Yeah. But I would love to see a Lakers Clippers. Uh, Western Conference Finals. I think that will definitely. If if there hasn't started a rivalry yet, I think a rivalry would definitely have started. We'll see next then. week. What happens next week? So that will be fun. We're only a week away from NBA basketball. I'm super excited. Okay, and very very last thing to kind of kick you off. We are talking politics. That's right. We're talking about what happened in China. There's reasons why sports and politics don't mix. We've seen Big it with, reason. There's we've a seen reason. it with Colin Kaepernick. We've seen it with, and oh, actually now we're seeing it with the Daryl Morey tweet, who is the GM for the Houston Rockets, and the, about the China Hong Kong situation going mm-hmm. on over there. So, for those of you who don't know, quick quick little history lesson: um, China is known as a communist country, which means they have a dictatorship, one ruler. They run things on a tight ship. Right. So there is a protest going on in favor of um, democratic rights. So they're trying to change things. They're trying to not be a communist or um, a dictatorship. And um, Daryl Morey's tweet, essentially, do you have the tweet? Daryl Morey tweeted a picture saying fight for freedom and stand with Hong Kong. So this sparked up a huge, huge issue, because if you guys don't know, the NBA has a lot a lot of ties with china so i mean rightfully so they had the most population what is it like two billion Mm -hmm. people in the world or something like that so they're start. i think they have their they're starting up their own um they're trying to start their own league their own uh, professional league as well in china yeah and the nba is under a lot of scrutiny because of this tweet because China was like, and basically China has pulled back a lot of their uh, contracts with the NBA, making the and the NBA has over a billion dollars tied with China in and, contracts. And this was also right before preseason games in China were about to start. Yeah, and you saw in the media people taking down posters of the NBA, like all kinds of stuff. And so, and I think what made matters worse is that Daryl Morey ended up deleting the tweet and coming out and apologizing. And I think so that, so the first tweet caused a whole stir and controversy in China and the NBA. And I think now him deleting the tweet and apologizing, he basically just pissed off China, but, but I think deleting the tweet and apologizing stirred up a big uh, controversy in America now, because now they're saying you're saying sorry, because the NBA is basically putting profits over human rights. Yep, exactly. And that, so now like there's a lot of senators and a lot of, uh, political figures now getting mad like why like human rights over profits kind of a thing but yeah. which is you know ironic for sometimes but right exactly but i mean get into it first of all daryl morris just should not be tweeting this type of stuff i guess and well, i get he also has the nba has been known to be vocal i mean steve kerr for the warriors he's come out and said he's deliberately said that the nfl is not an is not inclusive at all and other organizations so the NBA promotes that. Like, he didn't get in trouble. So the NBA promotes kind of saying what you want, be free, whatever. Like, that's one of the greater things, I think, about the NBA. 
but so the fact but you got to know the certain situation so like the whole thing when he was okay, tweeting well, about the nfl like the nfl and nba don't have over a billion dollar in ties like tied together so then you're agreeing human rights over basketball the, okay so i'm not gonna say i agree or disagree but what i'm saying is i don't think daryl morey should have tweeted that at all in the first place like i get you have your first amendment which allows you to tweet whatever you want but you have to be smart in certain situations to know that you're going to cause a huge controversy and potentially did. exactly and cost billions with a b with a capital b billions of dollars for the nba which can basically change the entire infrastructure of the nba so what's even worse is that there was a press conference held in china and i think a reporter she was from british columbia she came and she one of the questions she asked was to the houston's um uh, to james harden or westbrook yes he is so i mean i don't know why she would have asked the players but you know she's from england so who knows um, but she came, she tried to ask the players about the controversy and somebody from the Rockets told them, no, like they're not allowed to ask that. And right. she was kicked out of the press conference. So that also doesn't make the Rockets look good in that situation. And so there's just a big old mess and like the a big, big old mess. And guess who stuck their fat receding hairline right in it? Well, for first things before we go to that is the Rockets, which is very ironic. I think the Rockets have like the biggest team in China is the Rockets because they had Yao Ming on the Rockets for the X amount of years that he played. What was it like seven, eight years or whatever? He was on the Rockets and he was an icon for China and the NBA. So that's why there's a lot of Rocket fans in China. And I think the fact that Daryl Morey, who is the GM of the Rockets, came out and tweeted this, you know, that that's why they're getting a lot of backlash and they're going to lose a lot of profits and marketing. And there's even been... Um, live streaming broadcast networks and stuff that are considering severing ties with the NBA, which is going to cost them billions as well. But like you were saying, there was some guy with the receding hairline. I don't know yeah, who that he's is. Like his, you don't know who that is? No, who is that? That you sounds familiar. LeBron James. LeBron James. So LeBron James loves to talk to the media, which I mean is great because most players don't. And he's a great player. So it's great that the media has access to him. But this is just something he should not have stuck his nose into. He basically came out and said that Daryl Morey misinform was misinformed about making the tweet to China, which might have been right. But that basically says that, like, oh, what Kush just said. Well, he shouldn't have said anything. Okay, well, yeah, this is Kush saying this. Kush is not a representative for the NBA. He does not and has no ties to the team. Not even a representative. Whatsoever. He's not the face of the NBA. LeBron yeah. James is a face of exactly the NBA. what i'm saying so he shouldn't have said anything because like how i just told you well then you think that by you saying that or agreeing that basically kind of entails that human um money over human rights and so that's what lebron is in so a barstool sports made a great t-shirt of lebron with communist china with like china's like oh communist like army wow. <laughs> suit on <laughs> wow which is hilarious but essentially he's they're making fun of him because that's what that's essentially what he did which was dumb. It was so, very, very dumb. In LeBron, and now he's in a big old. Now he's in it too. When yeah, he, didn't, he, he didn't have to be. He's so I know dumb. the Lakers PR is dying. They're like, oh no. <laughs> so why do you have to do it? He's dumb because first of all, he had eleven days before he was asked this question, so he could have definitely came up with a better answer. Oh well, then. Like, or, I wonder then, I don't know. That's, we don't know what's going on. He could have he definitely came up with a better answer, or, or if somebody I'm, else should have came or up with a better I'm, answer. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. Or if. If I'm LeBron James, I just don't discuss this issue because it's essentially a lose-lose situation. If you side with China, you're basically going to get a backlash from the human rights uh, people. And then if you side with the human rights, then you're going to get backlash for the NBA and from China. 
And LeBron James has already lost millions of dollars in endorsements from China, from ties he has in China. So obviously that's why he's going to side with China because the man's about his money. Right, but then that means that he supports his money exactly. over... Exactly, rights. and I think that's and that, that's why in that situation LeBron should have been smarter and just said no comment. And the, like you said, the great thing about LeBron is he is such a vocal face of the NBA, which is great. And in LeBron's defense, he has done many, many great things for America. Example, he built a whole school, the I Promise School in Ohio. Yes. So one uh, of the great, I think that's like one of the most amazing things an athlete's ever done. So, I mean, LeBron James has done Charity many, West. many, many of great things for America and for the NBA, stuff like that. So, I don't, I mean, to his defense, he's done many great things. So, I don't think this one thing can completely wipe away his credibility. It's just a, no, his, I don't think so either. But, no, I don't but think so either. But he's going to get a lot of backlash of that, and it's a big mistake he did make. But I don't think it should affect his career or his uh, ties, whatever it is. If I was LeBron James, I would have been like, do I, I would have been like, not quite, not answering that question. That's what I'm saying. You should have said no comment and just moved along. Say nope. Next. Because it literally nah. is a lose-lose situation for That's him. the thing. That's why I wonder if, what if, like, what, I wonder if their PR team told him, like, just don't say anything. Don't say anything. They ask you to say no comment. So I wonder if you just thought, I'll be fine. I'm going to say this. I'm LeBron James. Well, LeBron I think, James. Well, LeBron James' market is bigger than the Lakers. So I think LeBron's a man of his, probably has his own PR. LeBron James' market is bigger than the Lakers? That's a fall. I don't think that's a true statement. I think that's 100% true. LeBron's market is bigger than the Lakers, the Lakers franchise? Yes. No way. I think so. LeBron James is an icon, an international icon. In like I, 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 so are the Lakers. I mean, without the past past six years, they've been well, yeah, the be- the the best for years. For sure, but I, I, they're big. Don't get me wrong, but I just think LeBron James' market is definitely bigger, just because. Uh, I definitely think they're wrong, especially if you're a big. What he Kobe does fan. on what he does on and off the court, but I'm okay. Think in America, yes, probably the Lakers are bigger, but I'm talking internationally wise. I think LeBron James, especially in this day and age, he might have more money. No, 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 I'm not talking about money. And there's no I way mean, he has more money than the Lakers. I'm just saying the Lakers, I think the Lakers have a, have a really big influence or bigger. They've had a bigger influence for much longer than LeBron James. Either way, what I'm trying to say is that LeBron James probably has his own PR person that probably doesn't. That's why the Lakers maybe didn't even go up to LeBron James to tell him because he does his own thing. So it's, oh, a, possi- right. it's a possibility. But yeah, big mistake by LeBron. But in bright news... NBA starts in a week, and I'm excited. Clippers, I'm excited Lakers, too. let's We're already go. fighting. This is great. Alrighty, well, this is an extra long episode for you guys, and this is basically our way of saying sorry for missing last week. Mainly me. It's been a rough couple of weeks, guys. Come on. It's all it. good. Um, but yeah, we're we'll come out with content weekly, weekly, weekly. I promise. And make sure to follow us on social media, the Nosebleeds on Instagram and at the underscore nosebleeds on twitter and make sure you leave us a rating be nice give us some reviews hit us up on these social media platforms if uh you want to be featured in our show or if uh you just have any ideas for us or you want to talk about something yeah all right and that is going to do it for this episode and we are out deuces bye